Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 30th of November. It is one minute past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And you got the date right. Uh, congratulations, uh, Giselle. That well, was, it's because uh, I celebrated a birthday recently, so I think I'll be right for the good. next week and yes. then I'll forget the date that's again. Right. We did announce that it was your birthday uh, last week. Oh, that's thank why you. Thank you, comrades. That's all right. That's all right. And uh, thanks to um, so they breakfast for obviously a... Uh, a action-packed and full, very full program, and there wasn't even a music break there. So, um, all a bit of a southern. But there you go. Sometimes we just have too much info to to give, and of course, we're always full of information. Isn't that right, Giselle? And so, of course, who brings you this program, and how you, can you contact us? That's right. So, the show is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's dot dot org dot au. We are on Twitter and Facebook, so look us up on those social media platforms and we continue to uh, promote news and information about labour movement struggles across the Asia-Pacific. And, of course, um, a good morning or hello to anyone who's listening on podcast uh, at any time of the day or night. Um, all right, on today's program, in the second half of the program, we'll be having an interview with Aaron Moon, who's a uh, organiser for the Maritime Union of Australia here in Victoria. And he'll be talking... Actually, ab- Newcastle, I believe. Uh, oh, he does. He yes. organises the uh, VICT. Okay, all right, sorry, go back to your introduction, that's Pierre. Right, I apologise. That's right, that's right. Oh, I've got an uh, <laughs> on our apology. I should write that down. <laughs> yes, it's marked this, it's this moment all. in time. That's right. Um, and Anyway, it's the maritime workers uh, continuing and ongoing battles with um, especially a couple of the of global stevedoring companies who are trying to uh, severely cut back uh, conditions and uh, really increase the rate of exploitation on the docks, uh, both uh, here in Melbourne but up in Sydney and Brisbane as well. So you'll be hearing about... Um, the updates on these struggles um, in the second half of the program. But um, we'll go to our news stories, and um, I seem to have got the first one. So we go to Iraq, where scores of protesters have been killed. Uh, the mass working-class uprisings that have gripped Iraq over the last two months uh, show no sign of abating, even amid escalating repression. This week, around 50 protesters have been killed by security forces in separate instances. Many uh, hundreds more have been injured. The major flashpoints uh, this week have been in the capital Baghdad, where demonstrators are holding on to three bridges, a major square and high-rise buildings, in the holy city of Najaf, where the Iranian consulate was attacked and set ablaze, and the southern town of Nasiriyah. The response of the Iraqi government has um, been to set up military crisis cells to impose security, quell unrest and restore order. 
And um, just overnight, um, breaking news is that the uh, Prime Minister Adil Abdul Mahdi has actually, um, he's the Iraqi Prime Minister, has actually announced that he will resign due to these ongoing protests. So that's really the first politicians down after two months. But the fight is long. And <clears throat> moving to India, where tens of thousands of workers have been dismissed. A couple of weeks ago, we brought you news of the indefinite strike by 48,000 workers in Hyderabad, employed by the Telangana State Road Transport Corporation. Uh, their their uh, struggle and the um, strike was against privatisation and for better paying conditions. The strike began in early October and this week the workers voted to end their 52-day-long strike. In response, the Transport Corporation's management said that none of the striking workers would be allowed back as the strike was illegal and they had left their jobs. In addition, the state government has now announced that it plans to privatise over 5,000 bus routes that the Transport Corporation is currently operating. Major uh, austerity, to say... uh, well, to say the least, I mean, 48,000 people losing their jobs overnight is quite a number. Yes, it looks uh, a bit of a harsh defeat, unfortunately, uh, especially after such a long strike. Um, um, hopefully, um, uh, there'll be some developments in the next, next couple of weeks and we'll have a look for them. Um, we now go to the Philippines, where, as we have reported in the last few months, the repression against labour organising is increasing in the Philippines. In the latest instance, the Global Union Federation Education International has uh, put out a call for international solidarity to condemn the intensification of the harassment and repression against its affiliate, the Alliance of Concerned Teachers, or ACT, in the Philippines. The recent incidents, including the arrest of one of the ACT provincial coordinators, Raymond Basilio, um, the uh, ACT, oh no, sorry, um, Raymond Basilio is the ACT General Secretary who has received multiple death threats since the start of this year. The whole of the teacher union has now been red tagged by the government. Individual union activists uh, have been unlawfully, unlawfully profiled by the Philippine National Police and put on lists of a terrorist watch. And two ACT teachers were recently shot in their classroom by masked men in the presence of their students. As a safety precaution, the ACT um, this week closed down one of its offices. And in India, following on from our interview last week about the ongoing strike by contract workers at the Honda Automobile Factory in the Manasagargoan region of northern India, so that is the um, one of the biggest growing manufacturing regions of northern India, the Honda management this week suspended six permanent workers and employees' union members for participating in a strike by contractual workers. The President and General Secretary of the Union are among the six suspended. Management has also asked all permanent employees to come back to work this week, but only after signing a good work conduct undertaking. In response, this week thousands of workers from 8 to 10 neighbouring companies such as Maruti Suzuki, Shivam Auto, Munjal Showa and Satyam Auto, uh, Auto Components took part in a solidarity rally in support of the striking Honda contract workers. The strike is continuing but it does highlight the 
ongoing use of contractualisation, privatisation, as a previous India story told us, um, and just altogether precariousness to uh, sack workers, to bust unions and to prevent people, workers, from organising. And the interesting thing of that story, I thought that the um, workers from the Maruti Suzuki factory uh, were coming, which, of course, um, Maruti Suzuki was involved in a massive dispute uh, about eight years ago, I think, that went for a long time and it was, became very convoluted, really. And um, do you know, can you remember if anyone is still in jail? Yeah, yep. yep. There are th- uh, uh, between six and 13, I can't remember the number, are still, right. but, but the 120 yep. were released. Yep, yep. So we now go to um, South Korea, where this week tens of thousands of Korean truck drivers rallied in front of the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transport to demand better working conditions, standardised work hours and haulage rates. The punishing conditions for truck drivers in South Korea not only endangered the lives of drivers, but also those of the public via road accidents. In a um, different uh, dispute, still in the transport uh, um, sector, um, this one we had previously reported on, Korean rail workers terminated their strike this week after reaching a tentative agreement with management. The workers have managed to win the regularisation of unpaid allowances, better shifts so as to shorten working time, and the implementation of past agreements. The issues of better rail system integration and privatisation are still to be sorted out with the South Korean government. So at least they um, they did manage to um, gain some concessions from the employers. So well done, uh, comrades. And in China this week, veteran labour activist Liu Xiaoming was released from jail after serving a four-and-a-half-year sentence for inciting subversion of state power. He was being held in the northern Guangdong city of Shouguan and reports indicate that he is in reasonable health and good spirits. Liu's labour activism began in 1989 when he travelled to Tiananmen Square to join the Beijing Workers' Autonomous Federation. He was later jailed for a year. Liu then moved to Guangdong, where he helped organise workers in the Yu Yan Shu factory strike in Dongguan and the successful Guangzhou University town sanitation workers strike and the Zhensheng Shu factory strike. So quite a long history of, of activism. His release comes as five other Labour activists who were detained in a coordinated raid in January this year are expected to face trial in the next few weeks. Those five um, that are facing trial are all charged with gathering a crowd to disturb public order relating to a Labour dispute in Shenzhen in 2014. Yes, uh, it's very hard to do Labour or independent Labour organising in China and I always... Um Fascinated by the charges they get charged with. Um, we now go to uh, to the West Bank, to Palestine, where this week thousands of Palestinians demonstrated uh, across the occupied West Bank uh, to uh, protest at the recent announcement by the US uh, a government that it no longer believed that Israeli settlements in the West Bank were against international law. These protests were met by the Israeli Defence Force and reports indicate that almost 80 Palestinians were injured. In an unrelating incident earlier this month, women's rights and prisoners' rights campaigner and elected MP to the Palestinian Authority uh, Legislative Council, 
uh, as um, as uh, as a member of the of the Marxist Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, Khalida Jahrar was kidnapped by Israel military forces in the middle of the night. Khalida remains in jail in isolation without charge under Israel's administrative detention orders. And um, this is not the first time that uh, um, Khalida has been um, jailed under these uh, orders. And in Bangladesh, last Sunday, the 24th of November, was the seventh anniversary of the fire at the Tazreen Fashions factory in Bangladesh that killed over 100 workers with many more injured. The disaster was caused by the total lack of health and safety at that factory. They're trapped in a building... Uh, with insufficient fire exits and barred windows. It took survivors and their families three years before they were able to gain compensation for their losses and injuries. While the Bangladesh government then declared that a nationwide injury compensation scheme was to be set up, the reality is that four years since then, there's still no injury compensation scheme for garment workers in Bangladesh. And, of course, they brought the uh, what we thought was a weakened insufficient um, instrument, the uh, Bangladesh Building and and Fire Safety safety Accord, uh, which they've also brought to an end anyway. So a toothless tiger and now not even that. Go back to square zero, really. Indeed. Um, And that's the end of the News Roundup for this week. It's just on 13 past 9 o'clock. We'll go to a quick community um, announcement and then we'll be back with the interview with Aaron Moon about the the ongoing struggles on the waterfront in, uh, in Australia. Summertime. Summertime brings wine. Pass me my Prosecco out on the patio. This year's delicious Radical Radio wines are generously sponsored by Breast's Winery in the Harcourt Valley. Specially priced at only $20 a bottle and even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. You can order via phone or online and collect it from 3CR during business hours up until noon on Tuesday the 24th of December. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR. Call the station during business hours on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Breast Wines is a 3CR supporter. The um, uh, the Maritime Union of Australia is one of the most militant uh, unions um, in this country and also um, organises among one of the most globalised uh, sectors of the economy, the waterfront. Um, we were um, um, very fortunate this week to be able to interview Aaron Moon, who's a organiser with the Maritime Union of Australia here in Victoria, about their ongoing um, struggles um, they're having against Stephen Doran Company who are trying to um, quite radically um, decrease their condition for workers at the jobs. The maritime workers in, in, at the docks, especially in Melbourne, have been having a number of issues over the last couple of years with a company called ICTSI. Can you give us a bit of a background at who this company is and what are some of the issues? Uh, certainly. Uh, ICTSI is a global stevedoring company. They operate in uh, 30 different ports around the world, I think, um, with about 18, covering about 18 different com- uh, countries. They 
within the top 10 largest container stevedoring companies in the world, highly profitable, um, but they have a very poor reputation globally for the way they treat their employees. They started here in Victoria in 2017, I think operations began, um, maybe even as early as 2016. They've slowly gained a, quite a significant market share here in Victoria, but the rates of pay and the conditions are significantly lower than the industry. Um, there was recently uh, an employee that attempted to challenge the enterprise agreement that they have, saying that it doesn't meet the better off overall test um, compared to the award. And I think he is currently appealing the decision that was handed down in favour of the company. There are, there are serious issues down there with regards to safety. We have seen many uh, incidents happening and um, we as a union fear that the, the safety and the um, our work practices down there don't improve significantly, that somebody could be severely injured or even killed. Uh, we know that the stevedoring industry is a, already a um, very dangerous industry to work in. Um, I think the, the statistics that we saw during the National Stevedoring Code of Practice campaign that the union ran uh, I think you're about 14 times more likely to be seriously injured or killed on the waterfront than almost any other industry in the country. So with that regard, we're just seeing the poor practices and uh, operational standards down there. And uh, probably the key issues um, outside of the broader conditions and wages down at the ICT. And of course, for people who may not uh, realise, uh, you as workers down there, uh, there's actually huge machinery, huge containers, and human beings are, are very small compared to them. And correct me if I'm wrong, part of the issue you're talking about health and safety is about the um, length of, of workday and also how many people per shift. Uh, that's correct. So... The container stevedoring industry around Australia has a pretty uniform standard of eight-hour shifts, whereas VRCT currently operate on 12-hour shifts. And then they try and use the level of automation as an excuse to minimise the amount of people they employ in and around the machines that are working at any one time. We know that the work down there uh, still needs to be completed and that much of it um, remains the same as a traditional stevedoring or container terminal. We... We see the 12-hour shifts as problematic for people in regards to fatigue and, and in a, not only the uh, 12-hour shifts, but it's 12 hours day and 12 hours night uh, and they run them continuously, often for many shifts in a row, which um, obviously becomes quite the drain on the body and leaves people very fatigued. Obviously, um, any listeners who uh, is working an uh, eight hour day or, or more would uh, totally understand what you're what you're saying. So, the union and the workers have taken action already and a number of times. So, where is the dispute at? Where is the energy of the, of the workers? Because this has been a, a draining, ongoing issue. Yeah, so the union is is doing best down there to organise the workers and assist in any way we can. We're quite obviously hamstrung by um, the uh, laws of the country and uh, obviously we uh, operate our business inside those. But the the workers are increasingly becoming fed up with the practices of the company um, and they are actively organised and seeking to address a lot of those issues, particularly um, around the conditions and uh, the wages in their renegotiation of their enterprise agreement, which is due in October next year. 
So it will certainly be interesting to see what happens in the lead up to it. But obviously ICTSI is only one of the Stephen Doran companies that's operating in Melbourne. Have you had support from the workers at the other ports and is there a feeling that the ICTSI would be like a battering ram against conditions and wages for workers? Yeah, so we certainly have had um, support from the other terminals. So there's two other terminals that operate in the Port of Melbourne. They're highly supportive of the struggle of the um, VICT or ICTSI workers here. Port Melbourne and, and the port community is uh, actually, even though it's quite a large city, it's quite a small community around the port. And um, a lot of people have family that work down there and they're all very supportive of the struggle. And they wish to see, they recognise that it's not just the issues of the of the people employed inside ICTSI, but it also has those ramifications more broadly for the entire maritime industry. So we know that larger companies like DP World who are currently at their negotiation for an enterprise agreement are certainly looking at ICTSI as a substandard agreement and pointing at it pointing towards that and saying, well, we have to compete with that. We want conditions of employment, our, our conditions of employment lessened so that they match ICTSI. Obviously, that's um, unacceptable for uh, the union and also the workforce, workforces more broadly. We would totally uh, agree on, on that. And as you mentioned before, ICTSI is part of a global conglomerate, uh, which is in at least 18 countries. So, and I think you mentioned that it's actually got quite a bad reputation uh, globally in terms of its treatment of, of workers. So are you able to gain some information, some support from uh, other ICTSI ports around the world and, and their workforce? Certainly we are, and the International Transport Federation um, has been running a, a campaign around getting a global stevedoring agreement with ICTSI, particularly after we saw such terrible working standards in, in countries like Sudan and the Congo and Madagascar, where workers were treated extremely poorly um, and they were victimised quite heavily and intimidated quite heavily by the companies and when they tried to organise. So there has been a lot of support. Uh, both from Australia out to uh, the international community and also we've seen um, it come back in spades as well from the international community which has been great. It's been a great uh, boost of confidence and solidarity from uh, to the to the workers down at the ICT. Well, that's fantastic um, to hear. So where is that ITF at at the present moment? It's still very much in its infancy, I think. Um, there's, there's a lot of organising happening, happening at the various countries around, at various countries around the world, similar to uh, the local organising that's happening here in Australia. So, um, it, in the organising stage, um, the company has yet to come to the table, but we are hoping to be able to gain enough um, strength in each of the various terminals to do, encourage them to treat their workforce in a much better and more productive and healthy kind of um, way. And of course, I mean, I know you're you're based uh, in Melbourne and organising in Melbourne, but maybe you can say a few words about what's happening in, in Sydney, another long-running issue with maritime workers there, but this time with a, a different global uh, stevedoring company, uh, Hutchinson's. Are there issues about the same there, or is it a different uh, set of conditions that are being fought over? It's very similar to what we see here in VRCT. So Hutchison is the third and most recent operator in um, Portland and also in Brisbane. And they have had a very checkered history with our union and unions globally 
when they entered, they commenced operations and then subsequently sacked uh, half the workforce by text message at midnight, which led to quite a protracted dispute between the union and, and Hutchison's. And now they're, they've, uh, after, after the conclusion of that dispute, they've come around to a new re- uh, renegotiating their enterprise agreement. And it seems that they still wish to be hostile towards their, their workforce. And, um, and they're trying to smash their conditions once again, which is uh, pretty appalling. That sounds terrible as well. So, Aaron, as a last question, I mean, you've described the, the long-running uh, dispute and struggle here in Melbourne with the ICTSI. You've sort of you've mentioned about the Hutchinson's uh, ongoing issue uh, up in in Sydney, and of course, both of these are, are global companies. So, where do you see the next twelve months, and what solidarity can other workers uh, expect to to be able to give? The next 12 months will be quite tough, I think, for our comrades here in Australia. I suspect that they're going to be just as tough for our comrades internationally as well. The solidarity will obviously be dependent on how the dispute unfolds moving forward in the next 12 months. Um, so I can't really pinpoint any particular actions that um, I believe we'll see uh, in regards to international solidarity in the next 12 months, mate. But I, I, can, I can certainly say that I think that it will... Uh, will become crucial in the dispute and it will become a, a very um, important factor in getting um, results for the workers here in Australia. Fantastic, Aaron, and we'll certainly keep abreast uh, and in touch of, on what's happening. We certainly wish you, uh, you and all your comrades all the best. Perfect, thank you very much. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR, radio for the workers, by the workers since 1976. It's just on uh, 26 past 9 o'clock. Uh, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. And that interview was with Aaron Moon, who's an organiser with the Maritime Union of Australia here in uh, Melbourne, Victoria, about their continuing and a long-term struggle against Stephen Doran companies, which are trying to cut uh, terribly their conditions. And obviously, these are global companies. Um, and uh, as Aaron said in the interview, uh, which um, they've, they um, basically are in a race to the bottom all around the world. And um, before we go, just an announcement for next Saturday, so not this Saturday, but next uh, Saturday coming here in Melbourne at 2 p.m. the Start Library. There's going to be a rally uh, in support of refugee rights, and it's specifically to do with the Medivac uh, bill, i.e. the medical evacuation bills to allow... Uh, the detainees uh, who are residing in the concentration camps overseas to uh, actually have access to hospital care here in Australia. So that's uh, 2 p.m. next uh, Saturday week uh, in Melbourne at the State Library. Um, we're really coming to the end of another program, uh, Giselle. So, and of course, we've only got two more shows before our summer break. So there you go, another 
action-packed and information-filled years coming to an end. <laughs> Excellent. You're left, left, left speechless. <laughs> no, no, yes, left, spe- left speechless. We're going to try and get an interview about the uprisings or the um, actions in Iraq for um, the next show, but, but we can't guarantee it. It's very hard to get in touch with our comrades at the moment. Um, but do stay tuned for our uh, last two shows of the year, um, promised to be action-packed, jam- jam-packed. But, of course, coming up next is Palestine Remembered. Thanks for tuning in to Asia-Pacific Current. You're on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And we'll be back next uh, Saturday. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.